start with our recitations, and as we usually begin. And uh, then the first thing I want to do is talk about the empowerment from His Holiness, because people have uh, asked me a lot of questions. And so I wrote to Tenzin Sepak, who's his translator, who's also a friend of mine, and, uh, and asked, yeah, and then so I want to share with you what, what I learned, okay? <laughs> okay, so let's start with visualizing the merit field. So there are so many sentient beings, so many realms of existence and places of existence throughout samsara. And at this very moment, but we don't know for how long, we have a life that gives us the opportunity to learn contemplate and meditate on the Buddha's teachings. So we should cherish this opportunity, and not simply because it benefits us and could lead us out of samsara. But we have to really see that we are not some isolated individual in control of everything that is independent, doesn't need anybody else's help, doesn't need sentient beings at all. To get rid of that kind of thought and realize that we are part of infinite sentient beings. And so being part of this huge family of all sentient beings who want happiness and not suffering, we have to take care of everybody to the best of our ability. Because it would really be rather ungrateful to just say, well, you guys benefited me a whole lot in all my previous, present, and future lives, uh, but good luck, I'm going to nirvana, and uh, I hope you find your way somehow. No, we, we, you know, how could we have that kind of thought towards the sentient beings, all of whom have been kind to us in one lifetime or another? (laughs) 
So that thought may come up that we don't need anybody and we're just going to do our own thing. But if you have that thought, as far as you'll get on the path is perhaps to liberation, but no way to attain awakening. Because our awakening depends on each and every sentient being leaving out none. So we depend on sentient beings to attain the highest spiritual levels. And specifically, we depend on them because they're the objects of our bodhicitta. And without generating bodhicitta, there's no way to attain full awakening. So whichever way you look at it, as a being in samsara, as a being who wants to attain awakening, in both of those situations, we depend on other living beings. Can't do it without them. And so let's have an understanding of that and with compassion really work for the awakening of all beings by first attaining awakening ourselves. Okay, so people wrote various questions about the empowerment. Um, You know, what kind of empowerment was it? Was it Kriya Tantra, Action Tantra, or Highest Yoga Tantra? Um, You know, what are the the vow? What are the you know ethical restraints? What are the commitments? Uh, How do I know if I've taken? Uh, the empowerment, if I've taken it, what do I have to do on a daily basis? What, or is it nothing? Or, uh, you know, what kind of taxes do I have to pay? Yeah. Some of the teachers say, oh, yeah, we're very eager to take empowerments, but we see daily commitments as like an unwanted tax. Yeah. Okay. So first we got to figure out. Yeah, what kind of empowerment this was. Usually, remember, usually doesn't mean always, yeah, the Chenrezig empowerments we receive are Action Tantra. However, our Kriya Tantra, that's the lowest kind of Tantra, which already is quite complicated. Um, but there are some high... Uh, Chenrezig practices that are highest yoga tantra. And that's what this one was that His Holiness gave. And Gyalogyatso is uh, another one 
that some people may have. Uh, I don't know if any of you have it. Uh, anyway, um, that's also highest Yogacara. Now the question comes, did you take the empowerment? Yeah. First of all, if you had no intention of taking it, you did not take it. Okay. So nobody can come to you afterwards and say, well, you were in the room, you must have taken it. So therefore, you have these commitments. No, you must have wanted to take it. And this is critical. When in the empowerment, it was time to take the bodhisattva ethical restraints, you knew you were taking them, and you repeated after His Holiness as best as you could. Tenzin Sepak was doing it really fast. Yeah, in English, and His Holiness was doing it fast in Tibetan. So you must have taken the engaging bodhisattva ethical restraints. And when His Holiness gave the tantric ethical restraints, you must have consciously taken those. So you must have known that you are taking these. If you did not know you were taking them and everything went by in a blur, you know, because you didn't understand half the language, then you did not receive the empowerment. Okay? So you have to be very clear. Yeah. Did I have the intention to take it? Did I know I was taking the bodhisattva and tantric ethical restraints? Yeah. Did I repeat those or at least try to as much as you could and pause afterwards and have the thought, Oh, now I've received them. Okay, so you have to decide that for yourself. Nobody else can decide that for you. Okay, so are people individually? Uh, are you clear about whether you've re- you've taken the empowerment or not? Is anybody in doubt? Okay, so then if you've taken it, yeah. Each class of Tantra has different ethical restraints and commitments. Yeah. The, um, highest class Tantra. Yeah. Then, uh, automatically there's the commitment to do the six session Guru Yoga. Okay. So this was part of the questions people ask because in the Tibetan and in the English translation, there wasn't mention of commitments. But in the Chinese tradition, uh, translation, there was, but that translator was also saying more than what His Holiness said. He was not just translating, he was teaching, which I don't think if you're a translator, you should do. A- answer questions afterwards, yes, but not fill in the blanks that the teacher didn't say unless the teacher told you to do that. Oh, 
Okay, okay. Okay, so that's good. But still, out of courtesy to your guru, you should ask if it's okay that you give your version of what he meant. You know, because otherwise it looks like you're saying, oh, the guru doesn't know what in this world he's talking about. I have to fill it in. And I remember having a translator do that one time. And it was very confusing because he would translate and translate something else. Then I would start to talk and he would say, I said that already. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, you were supposed to translate what I said, not what I was going to say. Okay. (laughs) Because then what do I say? Do I repeat it? Yeah. Do I not repeat it? Am I, the, you know, the one giving the, the talk or is the translator the one giving the talk? Okay. So then, yeah, in this case, you know, did His Holiness uh, give a commitment of the succession to start with? Yeah. Because uh, he didn't mention it, you know, and uh, and people were confused about that. And it, you know, now sometimes when His Holiness does things, uh, you know, at the at the temple, he'll say what the commitments are and have somebody post it on the board outside so that people know. Because you saw all sorts of people came to that. And some of them are you know, brand new. Oh, the Dalai Lama's teaching. Let's just go sit and see what's going on. Those people did not take the empowerment. Okay? Yeah. And generally, His Holiness says that you're not allowed to just be a spectator. You know, you have, you come with the intention of taking it. But very clearly, when he's giving to masses of people, or when any guru is giving to a huge crowd, you know, they they don't know if the people are qualified. Uh, the people don't know what in the world they're doing, what they're reciting, what's going on, okay? And so I think many times in that situation, people don't take it, okay? But you can't, he said, only with Kala Chakra can you go in and think, I'm an observer, I'm not taking this. All other ones, if you, you know, go in, you should think, I'm taking it. But again, clearly, with His Holiness giving it to so many people, I don't think He expects everybody to go in and think, I'm taking it. Yeah. However, if you... uh you know, take the bodhisattva uh, ethical restraints and the tantric ethical restraints, and you uh, repeat everything, you know. And then afterwards, you find out there's commitments to do things every day. You can't backpedal and say, oh, well, if there's a commitment, I don't want to do a commitment. I didn't take it. Because you were there and you did everything that you needed to do to take it. Okay. 
If you don't know whether you took it or not, probably you didn't. Okay, some people come to me and say, you know, I sat there. It, it was the very first thing my friends told that I ever attended. My friends told me to go. It was a great blessing. Uh, you know, and then I found out I'm supposed to do things afterwards, but uh, did I take it? You know, no, you didn't, unless you had that intention. Okay, and you did the, the recitation for the, the precepts. Okay, but what Tenzin Sepak did, okay, because I wrote him, yeah, because it was very confusing, you know. At the beginning, His Holiness said, the specific audience I'm giving this to is the Taiwanese. So I thought, you know, Kind of, is he giving it to everybody, or or what's going on? Anyway, so I asked. Okay, so he said. Oh, first thing he said was uh, regarding the sadhana. Okay, because there's a sadhana to go with this, uh, that it was available for download on our official English website. Yeah, um, and he also sent the sadhana to me. So anybody who wants it. I can forward it to you. Um, and then he said, you know, please share those with others. Uh, he got the first one from, well, that's not so important. Okay. As for the commitments, I checked with the Chinese translator, Jamyang Rinchen, and he has a justification regarding the six-session guru yoga he gave to his audience. Okay, so he is saying this is what the Chinese translation said to his audience, but Tenzin Sepak is saying there's a a um, a justification for what he said. Yeah, he's not saying, "Oh, His Holiness said it, and I forgot to translate it," or something like that. Okay. So he's, uh, Tenzin Sepak continued, "I am forwarding you a video clip." of His Holiness from a Gyawa Gyatso empowerment that Jamyang uh, Rinchen has sh- sent me. It has the subtitles in English. He told me he shares it with the Chinese who have questions regarding highest yoga tantra commitments from His Holiness the Dalai Lama's empowerments. So it seems like Jamyang Rinchen has taken, you know, because he's translated for many empowerments, and... You know, this is what is usually expected if you've taken a highest yoga tantra uh, empowerment. It It's not for Kriya. Okay, it's not for Kriya tantra. Okay, so um, he said perhaps Venerable Damcha could help translate it, which she very did, very kindly did. Um, so basically, this is continuing Tenzin Sepak, his Holiness is making clear the six-session guru yoga is the commitment for the highest yoga tantra empowerments. His Holiness explains how the generation stage could proceed as the maturing factor for the completion stage of highest yoga tantra. And I'll read you in a minute what His Holiness said. I was expecting His Holiness to give the daily commitment 
and therefore I thought it better to upload the sadhana of the forearm chenrezi on our official website so that people who wish to commit themselves to the related practice would have access and use it for daily practice. But His Holiness did not give that as a commitment to do the, this, this particular Chenrezig practice daily. Okay. In case you didn't get the two files I sent on your WhatsApp, because I went to Venerable Damcha's WhatsApp, he's attaching them here too, so I did get them. Okay. So he said, please share it with others who uh, wish to commit it, commit to it as their daily practice. Okay, now here's from the video clip um, that His Holiness, uh, he, he gave some explanation. This was after he gave the empowerment of Chenrezig Gyala Gyatso, which is uh, highest yoga tantra empowerment. So, uh, and he was saying, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing had Chinese, um, uh, you know, captions, but I don't know if His Holiness gave this to a Chinese audience or not, because there wasn't a Chinese translation, well, at least not on the recording that I got. Okay, so he, His Holiness said in English translation, from today, you have received the highest yoga tantra empowerment. Therefore, you can read teachings on the generation stage and completion stage of a highest yoga tantra. So in highest yoga tantra, there's two stages. The generation stage, that's when you dissolve into emptiness and then reappear as the deity and, you know, do various things in the sadhana and the completion stage, which is done on the basis of the generation stage, where you are meditating on the channels, winds, and drops, okay, in the subtle body for the purpose of bringing everything into um, the indestructible job at the heart. Those, the, the completion stage practices, are not for beginners. Repeat, they are not for beginners. Yeah. When you hear people say that if you're unprepared, you could go crazy from doing Tantra, I think it is referring to people who without the proper background with even without the because to do it you have to have the empowerment of that deity you have to take the ethical con, uh commitments the ethical restraints you know what and whatever other commitments they are and keep them you can't just say well yeah i took them but i'm throwing them away um uh, you know, and and you have to do the generation stage practice before you you really can do completion stage. There's a few completion stage, like the nine rhyme breathing, that many people can do. That's okay, but the other things with the visualizations and so on, you don't want to mess with your subtle nervous system if you have no idea what you're doing. 
if you've done the generation stage and you have an idea, an intellectual idea at least, of how the channels, winds, and drops function, you know, and what the uh, generation stage purpose is, what the completion stage purpose is, what the stage, the sub-stages on the completion stage are. If you have an idea of how highest yoga tantra works, then, and you've taken the empowerments and kept the commitments, then, yes, you're qualified to do that. Okay? It, it's like, you know, when you're a little kid, you can, uh, you, you can sit on the ground in a toy, um, airplane and, and fly your toy airplane sitting on the ground. Okay? Yeah. Are you qualified to get in a real airplane? Yeah. Are you going to ride in a plane driven by a toddler? Yeah. Who's only driven their plane, a plastic plane, on, on the ground? Okay. So this whole thing of creating the causes, making yourself into a suitable vessel to receive certain teachings is extremely important. Otherwise, we do things totally out of order. Yeah. It would be like you, you know, you first enroll in, in a algebra class and then a calculus class and then you ro- enroll in how to learn arithmetic. Yeah. That's not going to work. Okay. So His Holiness continues, okay. Those who have not received highest yoga tantra, highest yoga tantra empowerment are not allowed to hear, contemplate, and meditate on the completion stage yoga. Okay. Highest yoga tantra generation stage, that's the first stage of highest yoga tantra, is the preliminary to the completion stage. Okay. It's like washing your vegetables is the preliminary to cutting them up, which is the preliminary to cooking them. Okay. You can put your dirty vegetables in a frying pan. Don't give them to me afterwards. Thank you very much. Okay. So completion stage involves actually taking death as the path to the Dharmakaya at the time of death. There is a um, a similitude of this practice on the generation stage. But completion stage, you're actually, you know, able to dissolve everything yeah, into the indestructible job at the central channel, yeah, as you would at the time of death. Okay? So you you better be a good meditator because you're doing this, and if you don't come out of that, you're going to keep going into the bardo. Yeah? 
or you're going to wind up pretty screwed up. Okay, so completion stage involves actually taking death as the path to the Dharmakaya at the time of death. And it also involves visualizing the coarse and subtle drops and so forth. Okay, so hearing, thinking, and meditating on such details is not allowed without highest yoga tantra empowerment and keeping the uh, ethical con- uh, restraints and commitments. Okay, so His Holiness continues, because you have received highest yoga tantra empowerment to this audience he was talking to, you are allowed to hear, contemplate, and meditate on content related to the generation stage and completion stage, and so forth. Detailed yogas concerning the supreme bliss secret tantra collection of of texts and so on. Okay. For this purpose, I have given this highest yoga tantra empowerment. Okay. So he seemed to have given it because this was a group of people, you know, who he trusted to learn and contemplate, you know, here not only about the generation stage, but also the completion stage. Okay. And then he said again, uh, oh, he said, after, when, uh, after all, when explaining the benefits of Tantra, we have to include the explanation of the benefits of highest yoga Tantra. That makes sense. Those who do not have empowerment are not allowed to listen to explanations on this. Regarding whether you are able to practice the yoga of Chenrezig Gyawa Gyatso, or this, the Chenrezig we took is called Chenrezig of the, something like the King tradition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so regarding whether you were able to pla- practice the yoga of Chenrezig Gyalgautso, or which the one we took, um, if you have received the highest yoga tantra uh, empowerment on this practice, it will be easier for you to receive generation and completion stage teachings. So this completes the initiation. So what else is there to tell you, says His Holiness? The important thing is that after receiving highest yoga tantra empowerment, you must do the six-session guru yoga daily. Why? Because the commentaries to tantra say that every day you must recite. And here it says the 19... uh, I think... Here it says that the 19 vows of the Buddhas of the five of the five families. I think that means the 19 I think what he means is you must recite the um the tantric precepts and uh and recall the 19 uh commitments of the five Buddha f- uh, families. Okay, and the guru, the succession guru yoga practice has all of that in it. So if you do that, then you fulfill this, the commitments 
the, of the, the 19 Buddha families and, uh, and uh, the, the uh, tantric ethical restraints. Okay. So it will be so if you've had the empowerment, it will be easier for you to receive generation and completion stage teachings. Yeah, so that's the end of the empowerment. Okay, so now what else is there to tell you? Yeah, so the the commentaries, yeah, you have to um review the tantric vows daily, yeah, and uh and at least recall the five Buddha family commitments. With in terms of reviewing the tantric, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so this is exactly why you must recite the six session guru yoga every day without interruption, so that you could fulfill that. After receiving this empowerment, it isn't is not compulsory for you to learn how to do the gyawa gyatso practice, but you must recite the six syllable mantra. So the other important point is, as it says in generating the motivation for all yogas, you should generate bodhicitta and the right view of emptiness every day. Yeah, this is what he's always telling us. This is extremely important and you must remember it well. You must meditate on bodhicitta and the right view of emptiness every day without interruption. And if you also recite the six-syllable mantra, that is wonderful. Yeah? Okay. So the six-session guru yoga. There, they say that there are three versions, but one of the versions do not do. Okay. They put it in there just to say it exists, I think, or don't do it. So there's a long version of it. It's called six session because you're supposed to recite it six times a day, three times uh, before midday, three times afterwards. And that's because uh, usually the the 24-hour period is divided into six um, six sessions, so one time each, each session. But since most people don't do that or will forget to do that, there's a way in which you can do three all together, you know, in the morning and three all together in the evening. When you do the long version of the sixth session, the first time you go through it, the first of your three times, uh, you do all of the verses. The second and third time, there's certain things that you can omit. And so that makes it shorter. Yeah. So it's written in the text and you just have to follow it. Yeah. Um, the short, then the, there's what's called the shorter or short or medium succession guru yoga. So it is, uh, considerably shorter. It has all the important points in it, but you must, uh, you know, when it it mentions the tantric vows, you much think you know your tantric vows, and occasionally review the the long list of them. Okay, so the sixth session is it's about a page. The um, that's the the medium version. Yeah, 
Um, and then the, there's said to be a one version, one, one paragraph, one stanza version of it. But don't practice that. Okay. So I, uh, for, and, and those of you who took it, this should have started doing it, should have started the day you took, you took the empowerment, but you didn't know. So you can start, if I can send things out quickly, you can start tonight, otherwise start tomorrow morning, okay? You should definitely say the mantra tonight, that that's not too difficult, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... That's it. Yeah. Questions? Yes. In the past, it's often been very clear on His Holiness's website um, if something is going to be highest yoga tantra. This is the first time that I was really caught off guard by it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice in the future of how to kind of know what he might be offering? Well, you know, some, some, you know, if if it's Yamantaka, if it's, um, you know, Vajrayogini, if it's Guya Samaja, if it's, high, you know, Hayagriva, um, Hevadra, you know it's going to be highest Yoga Tantra. Yeah. Um with Tara, there is, uh, you know, the usual one they give is the Kriya, but there's also Chidamani Tara, which is highest yoga tantra. Same with Chenrezi. Usually it's Kriya, but there's other Chenrezis that are highest yoga tantra. Okay, so um, how to do that? How to know beforehand? Uh, find somebody else who might know what His Holiness is going to give. <laughs> and, and now, doing that may not be so easy. Yeah, yeah. If he posts it, it's easy. But, you know, doing it on online like this, how how could he, you know? Yeah. Okay, other questions? It seemed like he did an empowerment, and then he did a Jainong. At least that's what it sounded like to me. No, no. 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 He gave a highest yoga tantra empowerment. Yeah. He, the vas, uh, from the Vasa initiation, you only had two of the usual ones, the water and the crown. And then he gave the secret empowerment, the, um, uh, the wisdom empowerment, and the word empowerment. Okay. At, yeah. at some point they were saying the word Jainong a few times, and I just wondered what... I didn't about. hear the word Jainong. Who said Jainong? It's just that one. Or, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah. I heard it. What? I heard Jainong. I can't remember whether it was from Seba or His Holiness, but I heard Jainong. Always from Seba. What? I didn't hear the word Jainong. Yeah. Afterwards. But he could have been saying this is... Not a Jainong, this is highest yoga. He, he referred to it as like a, bot, um, I think, body Jainong, speech Jainong, and Jainong for the benefit of others. That's how I at least have it in my notes. So this was at the very huh. Body so Permission, and, permission or yeah. something like that. 
I don't know, send those three to me. I can write to Tens and Sepak. But it's, it's, he wouldn't. Yeah, what did you, you thought he did what? Well, um, I didn't know if, if even, it sounds like, it seems like with the Kriya Tantra uh, forearm chimnazi, that's given as a Jainong. And I didn't know if that was true also for highest yoga tantra, that he was giving something first, because there was something in the description about giving the appropriate, um, I don't know what the wording was, but like the appropriate conditions for receiving this empowerment. Anyway, it's, it's yeah. not that important. Yeah, but the, but if you know what, what he had people do during the secret yeah. and such, that's definitely highest yoga tantra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then also coming up this next week, he's going to be giving a Padma Sambhava empowerment, mm. and I'm assuming that's Kriya Tantra, but it might be. Good I have that. no idea because that's coming from the Nyingma tradition, and Nyingma has divides things into nine, and yeah, we can ask about that. Remind me, okay? Terrible yoga, you uh. Guru Yoga is actually very new to me. Is there anyone that Guru Yoga is actually very new to me? And oh. is there any uh, way that I can get a teacher to guide us so that you can probably do it? Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. When you first take highest yoga tantra, it's like, yeah, I don't understand the words. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. This is kind of too much. Um, can I have my baby bottle? <laughs> Um, so I was thinking about that and, uh, you know, the thing I'm, I'm leaving in three weeks. Okay. Uh, so what, and I have a bunch of other teachings that I'm, Zoom teachings that I'm doing between now and then. What I could do is do a very quick overview of the succession guru yoga so at least you have some idea of what's going on and to review which verses go in in what order on the the second and third time yeah so i think we could squeeze that in somewhere yeah because yes well you gave extensive teachings on the succession guru yoga years ago yes which we have too yeah so we could yeah. I didn't give extensive, extensive. I gave more. But yeah, we do have that. And, um, and after I go, you could certainly listen to those. You know, there will be more time for you to do that. But I think it's only fair to give something quick soon. Yeah. So I'll I'll see when when there's opening. Yeah? yeah. It says His Holiness has given online three Avalokiteshvara initiations. Does that mean do all three sadhanas for those who took it? You don't. He in all of these he didn't give the commitment to do the sadhana. Okay, for the. Uh, for, uh, yeah, for, for, for the regular Kriya forearmed, for the, uh, well, all of, all of them, all of the different uh, Chenrezis have their own sadhana, put it that way. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap 
in them. You always take refuge and generate bodhicitta. You always dissolve in emptiness and so forth. Yeah, but the sadhanas are all different. Yeah. Uh, do you recommend doing mantras every day? Yes, especially if you have a commitment. And if you don't have a commitment, I think it's good to keep to do, especially if you have the habit of ruminating and going over a situation that happened to you. Again, he said this, and she said that, and then they did this, and I don't understand. And next time I talk to them, I'm going to say that. No, I'm going to say this. Then I'm going to do that. And you're, you, I mean, you know the story. And your mind is buzzing, going round and around. Or that's the anger version. Or it's, you know, do, does he love me? Does he love me not? Is he going to call me? Is he not going to call me? Are we going to get married? Oh, I don't know. Do I have to... Uh, enroll with a department store if I get married, uh, you know, and you're, okay. Or will I get this job? Won't I get this job? Do I even want a job? You know, and you're going round and round. I mean, there's a million things you can go round and round. So when your mind starts to do that, it's very helpful to switch to saying mantra, okay? Because it's taking the mind's natural proclivity to, for chatter and doing something virtuous with it. Yeah? It was amazing doing a lot of consulting and preparing for the empowerment the other day. That was like 25 minutes of just saying, oh my, came in the whole... Yeah, well, that we, were, that we were doing because before they give an empowerment, they have to do the self-empowerment themselves. So while His Holiness was doing that, everybody was reciting Amani Pemihon. And after the empowerment, His Holiness has to tie some things up too, you know, and before he leaves. Yeah. Oh, saying the mantra a lot. Yeah. When there's a group of people saying mantra together, you know, when people's hearts are in it, not like this, you know, then it's quite powerful. Uh. Oh, separate to this, um, so what are the prerequisites for receiving teachings on the Lama Chupa Guru Puja? You have to have a highest class Tantra empowerment. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. But then you have the commitment to do Lama Chopa every day. Lama Chopa is long. Yeah. So you just got to be prepared. You know, you don't have to do Sok every day, but you have to do the Lama Chopa every day. Yeah, and you don't have to chant it slowly. You can read it quickly at the top of your speed, even though you could have no idea what you're saying because you're going so fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, just in case you're feeling, feeling nervous... Um, the first um, uh, highest class Tantra empowerments I took, uh, I, I mean, I had no idea about different classes of Tantra or anything. Just Lama said, come to this. And, you know, was given by Sirkan Rinpoche. So, uh, so I went. 
And, uh, and then afterwards, I was told, oh, you have to do the short sadhana. You have to do succession every day and the short sadhana. And sometime you have to do what's called the approximation retreat, where you have to recite a certain number of mantra. Okay? Well, for one of them, there the, he gave two in, in, a, in a row. The first one, I think there was a in English translation of the short sadhana. The second one, there were they couldn't there wasn't an English translation that they could hand out. But we have to do the sadhana every day. It's a commitment. So I had barely learned just how to sound words out in Tibetan. I took out my Lama Chopa. And I sounded everything out, and I could tell where I came to the mantra, and I said that the requisite number of times. I later found out that I said it at the wrong part of the mon- of the sadhana, but I didn't understand what the sadhana was about. I was just practicing sounding words out in Tibetan. Okay. In terms of uh, getting teachings on these practices... It was years, actually, before I was able to have teachings. Yeah, so I didn't do the retreat uh, until I I had had teachings on them. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, you really don't. And also on the retreat, you have to do the long sadhana. Yeah, no, it it wasn't a chain on because he said the vase empowerment. Yeah, I'm If there was a what? No. No, because the full empowerment has all four empowerments. It has the vase, the wisdom, the secret, and the four. So we had all of those, So, but there was no Jainang following that. Yeah. He did that, then he, you know, said a few things, and then it was over. Because what Jainang would he have given? Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. You're all still sitting up straight. Okay. Then, um, shall we do a little bit from the text? I've, what I've discovered is, you know, there's really something about the C word that terrifies people. And the that and you know when I say that they think cancer, <laughs> cancer. You hear cancer that terrifies you. Okay, I think a lot of times it's commitment. I want commitment. I want to be able to do what I want when I want to do it. You know our usual story, isn't it? I don't want any. Co- you know, anybody telling me what to do, that I have to do something every single day, even if it's good for me and it'll lead me to enlightenment, I don't want to be told. I'm a free spirit. I'll do it, do what I want to do. Just, you know, get off my back. There's more commitments, you know, ethical restraints. I can't do this and I can't do that. You know, I thought you were supposed to be free. (laughs) 
and and I come into Buddhism and there's all these restraints on my freedom. You know, I can't lie. I can't be like <clears throat> one congressman, uh, you know, dating underage girls and taking them across straight lines. Oh, you don't know who that is? Oh. It's the one who just made the big fuss. Starts with an M, his first name. Don't go out with him. It was really funny. Um, What's her name? Uh, Cassidy uh, Hutchinson, you know. She's been doing interviews because of her book. She was the one who gave that testimony during the the, um, congressional investigation that was so shocking because she told the truth. I mean, she told the truth. Imagine. Yeah. So... um, Apparently, uh, this particular congressman, um, who some people want to take out of the Republican uh, conference, um, he said, uh, well, Cassidy and I dated for a while, and, uh, but we, you know, we remained friends. Well, Cassidy said... I never dated him. I have better taste in men than that. Higher standards. Huh? Higher standards. Higher standards, that was it. Yeah, I have higher standards. So. And she was only 22 when all of this stuff was going on. I mean, the the fact that she was an intern in the Oval Office at age 22, well, Trump, we all know, likes the pretty young ones. But anyway, I think he left her alone. She didn't give any indication, but... (laughs) Okay. Okay, so we started last time um, talking about the nine uh, similes for Buddha nature coming from Maitreya's text, uh, The Sublime Continuum. Okay, or its its censored title is Uttara Tantra or Ratna, Ratna Ratna something. Yeah, Ratna Gotra Bivanka. Okay. So here, so we did the first two. Okay, the uh, Buddha essence is like a Buddha, beautiful Buddha image in an old ugly lotus. Yeah, and the Buddha essence is like honey with a swarm of bees surrounding it. Okay, so the old ugly lotus is referring to our, it's, you know, the Buddha nature is hidden by all of our attachments, which are like beautiful flowers. They fade and they become uh, ugly. The second one is the Buddha nature is uh, obscured by our anger, which are like a bunch of bees around honey. Okay. The third one 
is the Buddha essence resembles a kernel of grain in its husk. Okay, so the husk obscures the grain. For the grain to become edible food, the husk must be removed. In the same way, the seed of ignorance obscures our minds so that we cannot realize the ultimate truth. As above with the first two, this obscuration applies particularly to ordinary beings in the form and formless realms. But those of us in the desire room have it, at, the desire realm have it as well. Now it's interesting. Why on these first two does it apply specifically to people in the form and formless realms, which are an upper rebirth, who, which is considered higher than people in the desire realm? Why? Okay. My thought about this is that um, in, if you get born in the former formless realms, it is so pleasurable, yeah, that you don't meditate on emptiness, you don't really meditate on bodhicitta. It's possible for bodhisattva, Arya bodhisattvas, to be born in those realms, but they do so in order to benefit the ordinary beings born there, yeah. But uh, I think it's it's hitting the you know the ordinary beings in form and formless because they you know it's so easy for them just to get caught up in the bliss of of this concentration, yeah, and so then they they remain in samsara for a very very long time, or what could be even more of a tragedy, they think that they have already attained liberation, and then when they die, they have all the visions of falling to the lower realms because their karma for being born in the form of formless realms is over. And then they say, the path doesn't work. I thought I had attained liberation, but I practiced what I was told. I didn't attain liberation. The path doesn't work. I don't want to have anything to do with this path in the future. That's really bad, you know. But that's apparently what happens to some of the non-Buddhists, you know, who attain these higher states. Um, but, you know, what the point is, if you don't realize emptiness, you can't get out of samsara, no matter how deep your concentration is. And if you don't have actual bodhicitta, uncontrived bodhicitta, you can't attain full awakening, again, no matter how great your, your concentration is. Okay. So back to the husk. Yeah. Um, so the seed of ignorance makes self-grasping uh, ignorance and the ignorance of karma and its effects manifest in our mind. Okay, so the seed of ignorance is like that seed inside the husk. And it, you know, when that seed grows, it, uh, you know, makes us have afflictions in our mind, which make us create karma, and, and samsara continues. By means of the above three seeds of the uh, three poisons, uh, 
Yeah, ignorance, anger, clinging attachment. Sentient beings create karma that brings rebirth in samsara. Just as the grain cannot be eaten when inside the husk, the deeds of a Buddha cannot be displayed while the Buddha essence is in the husk of defilement. Okay? So, while our mind is in the husk, our Buddha essence is in the husk of defilement. Okay? Um, the, the, the Buddha can, the deeds of a Buddha cannot be displayed. In other words, the enlightening activities of the Buddha, we, we don't pick up on them because our mind is too obscured. Okay? Because the Buddha manifests in many forms, you know, doing many kind of things to lead sentient beings, but we don't recognize them as Buddhas, or the actions they're doing as uh, Buddhas' enlightened activities, because our mind is obscured. Okay, for example, you know, uh, I was talking before about how Lama Zopa, some people would come and hear him talk, and he's coughing and clearing his throat, and and these people are going, what? You know, bye, I'm leaving. I can't understand anything. What's he doing? Why doesn't he learn to speak better? Okay. So, um, you know, the deeds, when the mind is obscured, you may have a high-level bodhisattva or Buddha sitting in front of you, but you see some ordinary person, yeah, with faults. And finding faults, my goodness, we can pick faults even when there aren't any faults, can't we? We do it all the time, you know? That person didn't look at me when they said good morning. Actually, they didn't even say good morning. They are so antisocial. They are so unfriendly. We go on and on and attribute all this stuff to them, you know? Actually, what we should be doing, you know, is if that were the Buddha's uh, enlightening activity, it could have been a Buddha saying, why are you so ego-sensitive? Or look at how ego-sensitive you are. Yeah. Okay, so a wise person knows how to remove the husk and prepare the grain so that it becomes nourishing food. In the same way, the Buddha guides sentient beings to remove their defilements, and the Buddhas they be, will become will then provide spiritual sustenance for others. Okay, so the Buddhas will teach us closed-minded, obscured people, yeah, and then we will start being able to recognize some of the Buddha's activities, and we will progress on the path to Buddhahood, and then we will have the Buddha's uh, awakened activities that we can use to benefit other sentient beings. Okay? So that's the third one. Fourth one. The Buddha essence resembles gold buried in filth. Okay, so filth. What kind of filth do you want to have in the example? Yeah, turkey poo, 
Yeah, that's kind of small. You can walk around it. Human poo, bear poo. Yeah, there's lots of kind. Cougar poo, they usually bury it. Yeah. Human. Oh, okay. Huh? It's the grossest. It's the grossest. Okay. Yeah, and we're all very familiar with it. (laughs) In fact, we manufacture it, don't we? (laughs) Okay, if someone... uh, Okay, so the Buddha essence resembles gold buried in filth. If someone accidentally dropped some gold in a pile of filthy refuse at the side of the road... Okay, in other words, if you're walking down the the main street in Kathmandu, okay? (laughs) If you've ever been there, I mean, that's where people go to poo, right on the main street. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and uh, I've all stopped. I could tell you all about pooing during His Holiness's teachings, where you have to go, who goes where, and... uh, I'll spare you. But you better know it when you go to the teachings in case you need to go. Okay, so we don't know. So somebody accidentally dropped some gold in a pile of filthy refuse at the side of the road. We don't know it is there, let alone think to take it out, clean it, and use it. Similarly, while our gold-like Buddha essence is not mixed with defilements, okay, so the basic nature of the mind is, is pure, the filth of the manifest coarse three poisons prevents us from seeing it. Manifest coarse three poisons, especially when we are actively full of greed and attachment, actively mad, actively jealous, actively arrogant, actively lazy, actively with pretension or deceit, the whole, all of those. Those of you who have studied low rig, you know that there's 20 auxiliary and six root. Yeah, so so the manifest course... uh, Afflictions are the chief obscuration hindering beings in the uh, desire realm because they're what makes us, uh, what makes uh, afflictions arise and karma created, which brings rebirth. They provide, okay, uh, manifest affliction, course afflictions are the chief obscuration hindering beings in the desire realm. They provide the condition through which we are reborn, especially in the desire realm, led here and there by powerful emotions that arise suddenly and dominate our mind, and by strong wrong views that we stubbornly cling to. We do not even consider the Buddha essence and that it has always been there. Yeah, anybody here familiar with strong, uh, uh, what is it? Um, strong wrong views. Strong wrong views, but especially strong, powerful emotions. You know, one of the words that, that you learn, uh, 
not so much as an anagarika. When you become shramanari and shikshamana, there's a special word you learn. It's two letters. No. Okay. When you're an anagarika, you're still kind of open and, you know, tend to, you know, and people treat you very nicely. Yeah. But after you put on the robe, then you think that you're like King Kong. (laughs) And everybody should, you know, bow down to you. And, you know, and you start, oh, there was that wonderful skit where the, uh, they came and wanted to design the, redesign the robes. I think that was with some anagaricas, you know. So it's like, I don't like this color. Can we change the color of the robes? It always falls off my, my shoulder. Can I put some Velcro and some snaps? Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't feel like getting up at that time. Uh, yes, I know I'm over COVID, but too bad. I don't want to wake up for, for morning meditation anymore. It was so nice during COVID when I could sleep late. And I, and nobody point, checked on me or anything. So I could sleep as late as I want. Now people are going back to the meditation hall. I don't want to go. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And strong wrong views. Yeah. Somebody gave a BBC and they were quoting some scientist as saying, you know, our brains uh, remember certain behavior and want to do it. And they kept saying, the brain, the brain. And I wanted to ask the person, I mean, because I think they were quoting the scientists, but when you're teaching it, I mean, we should say our minds have habits. You know, I don't know so much about our brain having habits. Yeah. Okay, maybe there's, there's, there's some neuropathways that are more uh, run than others, but, you know, it's the mind that has that thought. That's the one. Okay. So like filth, manifest coarse attachment, animosity, and ignorance are repugnant. <laughs> yes. We dislike ourselves when they rule our minds and others are likewise repulsed by our behavior. True, isn't it? When our minds are like in an afflicted state, we're not very happy. Yeah. And especially if you, if you know, I'm in an afflicted state, I'm creating negative karma, but I want to say this anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, you know you're shooting yourself in the foot and you just go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, and then similarly, the other people were around are like, okay, yeah, 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 you know, just okay. You know, even to say, yeah, yeah, go do your thing. Yeah, just get off, you know, stop complaining. Or they say, you enrolled for this, didn't you? 
Nobody asked you to ordain. You knew this was coming, and you thought it was something good. So why are you getting so upset when somebody's pointing it out to you with a heart of kindness? They're not kind. They're picking on me. I'm not going to do it. Right? And it's not just the shamanaries and, uh, and shikshamanas who behave like that. <clears throat> Some of us have perfected certain skills. Yeah. I have the perfection of complaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of you have the, comple- the perfection of deliberately pushing people's buttons. Yeah, there's all sorts of things. <laughs> but we all love each other. <laughs> no, really, this is... Um, I told you my new slogan. Yeah. But you just got to love them. And... That really works. You know, it's like when you're with little kids and, you know, they spill spaghetti sauce all over the carpet. They stick something metal in an electric outlet. They, what else do little kids do? Yeah, they run down the stairs. They run into the middle of the street right after you told them not to. You know, and you just got to love them. They're little kids. Yeah. So sometimes we're little kids in big bodies. Yeah. (laughs) There's now something called the caucus of clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, the idea is that other countries looking at what is happening in the U.S. Congress these days or what is not happening at the U.S. Congress that should be happening, you know, that not only are some U.S. citizens, but a lot of people from other countries are saying, you know, are these people still a democracy? This looks like a caucus of clowns oh what you miss by not listening to the news it's a practice of compassion okay um the gold is pure it can never be become impure but we cannot see it or use it as long as it is sunk in the filth okay so that beautiful gold in the pile of someone's poop on the main street of Kathmandu. Or Bodhanath, actually. Similarly, the emptiness of the mind can never be infiltrated by the afflictions, but it cannot shine forth when obscured by the troublesome manifest afflictions. A deva who possesses the clairvoyant power of the divine eye 
sees the gold, tells a person where to find it, and instructs him to make the gold into something worthy of being gold. Similarly, the Buddha sees the empty nature of our minds, teaches us how to purify it, and instructs us how to transform our minds into the minds of Buddhas. These first four similes pertain specifically to ordinary beings who have not yet realized emptiness. Okay, so we went a longer time tonight. Any questions or comments? Venerable, I have a question on <clears throat> the Buddha nature and also the four characteristics of uh, inherent existence, permanent, solid, independent. Um, so if Buddha nature is permanent, mm-hmm. is it inherent existence? Is it what? Is it inherent existence? No, it does not I got confused by existence. these words. Nothing, nothing inherently exists. Yeah. So something being permanent is not the definition of inherent existence. Because there's many things that are permanent that are not inherently existent. Okay. The definition of, of inherent existence is something to the effect of, um, you know, not relying, uh, self-instituting, you know, not relying on anything else, but able to, um, yeah, exist on its own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Volume 9 has some definitions of, of uh, some of these terms. Yeah? I wanted to tell you that at the Varsa, Venerable Guoguang said that the most difficult monastics are newly ordained bhikshunis because they have, now their status is confirmed, right? They are an official member of the Sangha. Yes. And they look at you like, I'm a bhikshuni and so are you. So, I mean, you're a bhikshuni, but I am also a bhikshuni. So why should I listen to you? Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Ah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I once saw one, one um, bhikshuni. She was fairly newly ordained, and she was talking to a shamanary. And she said, I'm a bhikshuni, and you should uh, do what I say. I mean, this is because people don't get trained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like, okay, now I'm a bhikshuni, I'm at the top. Before you ha- you could tell me what to do, but now you can. And I don't care if you're senior, I'm going to sit in the front row. Yeah. Actually, that, that applies also to, to new shramanaries and shramanaras. Yeah. Where do they want to go in, in big public teachings? Front row. They're ordained. I'm going to sit in the front row. Yeah. And during one public teaching, um, I looked around me and there was Venerable Nikki, if you know him. So he is now the abbot of Rato Monastery. 
Yeah. He's sitting in the back of the room. Yeah. Actually, both he and I were, were back there. And all the young, newly ordained people are all crowded in the front. It was amazing, you know? That's, yeah. Actually, I was thinking about this today. Um, I know why. Okay, I'll just tell you this a little bit. Um, I got the IMI newsletter, uh, and they were uh, talking about having courses to um, for the staff at Dharma centers so that uh, the people at the Dharma centers would know how to relate to monastics. Okay? And I thought, well, that's very nice, but first the monastics need training. Yeah? Without training... You know, why are you f- telling the the staff what to do? If people don't know how to act like monastics, why should the the staff? And then I remembered one friend of mine. He was he was Singaporean actually, and he came to work at one Dharma center in in California. Uh, he was the spiritual program director. This was years ago, and he called me one time. He would call every so often. We would chat. And he was telling me that there weren't many nuns coming to the, uh, many monks coming to the teachings there, you know, but there were a lot of nuns living in the area and they would come. And he said they are really, you know, he wanted to respect the Sangha, but he said these people are, they're so demanding. Yeah. They want this, they want that, they want an exception for this and an exception for that. You know, you ask them to do something like lead a meditation or, you know, talk to answer questions. They don't want to do it. You know, he said, what, what do I do? And I, I just felt so bad, you know. It's like, why? Yeah. You know, that this is not something that, well, it's becomes, it happens because people aren't trained, you know, and, uh, and they, they may, because people often think that hearing teachings on the precepts is all you need to do to hear, to be trained. It's just hear the teachings on the precepts. That's it. That's the basic thing of being a, a monastic is just learning the precepts. It's not. It's one small part of it. Yeah. And if you don't know just genuine etiquette, yeah, and you don't want, you know, and you want to live on your own and do what you want when you want to do it, then, you know, why... Why do you expect lay people to support you and respect you? Yeah. Even if you are well-trained, you shouldn't expect lay people to support you and respect you. Yeah. It isn't something we demand of people or expect. Bow! <laughs> you know? 
This is why Lama Yeshi, I told you about that time when he picked up his mala and sat there. And he said, your mantra, I am the servant of others. I am the servant of others. I am the servant of others. Yeah. So we really have to remember that. Yeah. And you can see, you know, why did, when we had to evacuate, why did people take us in? Yeah, we must have had some kind of, given them some kind of good vibe when they were here. Otherwise, they wouldn't want a bunch of rowdy clowns going into their house, you know? They wouldn't, you know, I mean, seriously. They wouldn't invite people who were just always, you know, demanding and persnickety and not wanting to help with anything. So, you know, we we give off some positive vibe. At least some people in this community do. Yeah? You all have such interesting expressions on your face. <laughs> Yeah. The cats. The cats, right. Yeah, but remember, they had to go see the, uh, Venerable, um, Venerable Freud. Yeah. Yeah. That was an, another uh, skit. Yeah, the four measurables go to therapy. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so let's dedicate. <laughs>